listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Very glad to have you along on this, our first program of the new year. Zach Barletta is off this week. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. It's sports talk, and it comes to you from a faith-based point of view. Earlier this week, the Houston Rockets defeated the Denver Nuggets 130-104. to And in the game, Rockets star James Harden scored 35 points on 10-for-17 shooting. And this despite often being double-teamed throughout the first half when he attempted only seven shots from the floor. Back in November, it was the Nuggets who had beaten the Rockets 105-95, and they did it by consistently double-teaming Harden, able to hold him to only 27 points, which sounds like it was still a pretty good night. But that was enough to keep Harden from really getting into any kind of true rhythm and resulting in the Nuggets' win. To this point, it's been the Rockets' lowest-scoring game of the season. Several other teams have since taken to adding defensive, extra defensive pressure, I should say, on Harden, even when he's far from the basket. This time around, however, even though Denver doubled Harden for much of the first half, Houston still scored 69 points before the break. Teammate Russell Westbrook scored 18 of his 28 points in a half, taking advantage of the double team on Harden. Harden said after the game that we were just more prepared. We've seen that so many times now, so guys know what to do. Rockets head coach Mike D'Antoni says, we've seen it a thousand times. If you just double Harden, he throws it to Russell and it's four on three. We should score every time. Nuggets coach Mike Malone says Harden should be honored by the additional pressure, saying, I know it's probably frustrating for him, but he should take it as a sign of huge respect because people are game planning to get the ball out of the hands of the best scorer in recent memory. And Harden agreed. That means I'm doing something right. Then I'm pretty good. The Nuggets opted to not double Harden as often in the second half, and as a result, he scored 20 points on 6-for-10 shooting after halftime. When you're at the top of your game, people notice. In fact, when things are going well, people may even strategize against you in an attempt to slow you down. But if you're prepared, you can still have success. In our daily walks of faith, it shouldn't come as a surprise when trials come just when things seem to be going well. Be prepared for it. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Be on guard at all times and look for ways to endure. Perhaps that means working more closely with a colleague, helping them succeed, much the way Harden, Westbrook, and the rest of the Rockets did. Remember to stay humble when things are going well. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The best strategy, regardless of whether or not things are going well or if we're facing some extra pressure, is to stay in a close walk with God. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What a win it was for Florida A&M basketball this week. The Rattlers winning their second straight game after opening the season with nine consecutive losses overcoming a 13-point first-half deficit to beat Iowa State in a thriller, 70-68. to 
Florida A&M, who entered the game as a 25-and-a-half-point underdog, got their first win over a Power 5 opponent in school history. Now, some of you have probably noticed how ESPN and other networks have fallen in love with percentages. This team has such-and-such a percentage to win or such-and-such a percentage to make the playoffs. The trend seems to be to assign a percentage of success for nearly everything in sports. Well, according to those who track this sort of thing, Florida A&M only had a 1.3% chance to defeat the Cyclones, making it the biggest upset on record, percentage-wise. That is since they started keeping records for this sort of thing, which I think is the last 10, maybe 12 years or so. This seems to be the season for major upsets. Four of the top seven college basketball upsets of the past 15 years have come within the last two months. In addition to this week's game, in November, Evansville beat top-ranked Kentucky 67-64 despite being 25-point underdogs. In December, Missouri, who was favored by 26 points, lost to tiny Charleston Southern 68-60. Charleston Southern entered the game ranked 352nd out of 353 Division I teams in three-point shooting. But on this particular night, they put on a show in the second half, hitting 8 of 11. And the one probably most people remember is Stephen F. Austin University upsetting number one Duke at Duke 85-83 in overtime Thanksgiving week. Duke was a 27.5 point favorite. They had won 150 games in a row against non-conference teams. It had been 20 years since they lost such a game. Florida A&M's win streak this week ended a 106 game winless streak against major conference teams spanning back to the 1984-85 season. Now, I should mention that Iowa State was without their leading scorer, who averages 17.3 points a game. That's pretty. That's a pretty big miss. But the kids at Florida A&M, they don't want to hear about that. They won the game when practically nobody gave them a chance. That's all they care about. I wonder what the percentage makers would say about David's chances against Goliath. Certainly nobody gave David much of a chance, but we all know how that turned out. The biblical account of David and Goliath, one of the most popular stories from Scripture, a lesson of courage, a lesson of faith, of overcoming what seems to be impossible odds. We need to remember that nothing, no circumstances, no suffering, no no evil, nothing is outside of God's control. Nothing is beyond his power to save us. He's never overwhelmed. He's never surprised by what happens in our lives, and he is faithful to work in our lives and through our lives for his purposes. David never doubted God's might in his battle against a giant. And maybe you're facing what seems like impossible odds. Imagine how Peter felt in prison in Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, verse 6, it says, On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Seems impossible, right? But not with God. Acts chapter 12, verse 7 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And verse 8 says, And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, and he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Our God is able to do far more abundantly 
beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Whatever you're facing, you can rest in Him. It may feel like it at times, but you and I aren't hopeless. We may not always get the big win the way we want. After all, even Jesus Christ was not spared from pain, from grief, struggling. But God will equip us for everything that He calls us to go through. And you can know that your suffering is never random. It's never without a purpose. God will ultimately use it for your good and for his glory. And one more thing from this past week before we go to the break. I don't know if you saw this, but the Columbus Blue Jackets were inexplicably robbed of a win in a game. They ended up losing 3-2 to two in a shootout to the Chicago Blackhawks. In overtime, the Blackhawks were called for too many men on the ice with 19 seconds left. But for some unexplained reason, the clock ran down another 1.1 seconds after the play was whistled dead. The time was never put back on the clock. A few moments later, Blue Jackets defenseman Zach Wierenski appeared to score on the ensuing power play, but the buzzer already had sounded. Had those 1.1 seconds been put back on the clock, the goal would have ended the game. Columbus coach John Tortorella ripped the officials. He ripped the league, an a fist-pounding, profanity-laced tirade after the game. He said, instead of resetting the clock, they tell our captain we're not going to do it. The league office in Toronto doesn't step in. Refs don't do their freaking job. And now we lose the game and we lose our goalie. Adding insult to injury, or in this case, injury to insult, Columbus's goalie had to be helped from the ice after getting injured in the first round of the shootout, which, of course, Tortorella Stress should have never had taken place. I mean, we get it, right? We understand why Tortorella is upset. I don't think we should go on a fist-pounding, profanity-laced tirade, even though we may want to. At times, as unfair as it may be, things are just out of our control. If you watch sports for any time at all, you know refs are going to get it wrong from time to time, and there is little or nothing that can be done about it. Even in this age of replay, somehow they still get it wrong. There are so many things throughout the day which may frustrate us, maybe things that are just out of our control. John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Bible scholar David Guzik writes in regard to this verse that peace is offered to us, but tribulation is promised. When we become Christians, we may bring fewer problems upon ourselves but we definitely still have them. I'd love to tell you otherwise, but the reality is that you're going to struggle at times. It's frustrating. I get it. And adding to that frustration is when it's not our fault or when it's out of our control. But as the verse says, peace is available through Jesus Christ. However, we often rob ourselves of that peace by letting other people or letting circumstances we can't control dictate our responses. Instead of focusing on God and all that he has blessed us with, we focus on what isn't going our way, which somehow we've convinced ourselves that we deserve. That's why we're commanded to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts in Colossians 3.15. We can do that by replacing things like frustration, anxiety, anger with prayer, with thankfulness. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Time for a break still to come. The Red Hawks recap and some thoughts on what seems to be the end of Eli Manning's career with the New York Giants. Come on back. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Well, because of the Christmas break, there were no games to look back upon over this last week for Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. So we'll use this week's Red Hawks recap, which is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College, to tell you about some of the upcoming opportunities to catch the Red Hawks in action at home at the Voller Athletic Center. The women's basketball team plays their first game of 2020 tomorrow night, January 4th, against Cheney University of Pennsylvania. There'll be a basketball doubleheader on Friday, January 10th against the University of Bridgeport with the women tipping off at 6, followed by the men at 8 p.m. And looking down the road, I want to let you know about a special night of Red Hawks basketball on Friday, January 24th, as it is the FCA night at Roberts Wesleyan College. Come celebrate the local ministry of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes together with other athletes, coaches, and local FCA huddles as they fellowship together and share what FCA has meant to them. That's Friday, January 24th, as the Red Hawks welcome in New York Institute of Technology. Women again tipping off at 6 p.m., followed by the men at 8 p.m. Contact FCA to register before January 22nd for free admission. You can get their number from their website, nyfca.org. Mark your calendars, go on out, support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. And remember, you can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com, for news, scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles, our teams have made three NCAA National Championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Sports talk from a faith-based point of view. We're recording in our studio in Rochester, New York, but the program is heard throughout the country and around the world via podcast. And this week, we'd like to say hello to Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. The Pittsburgh suburb is one of the many places to download last week's program. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban grew up in Mount Lebanon as did Dave Filoni, animation director, writer, creator behind such works as Avatar, The Last Airbender, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and The Mandalorian. 
In fact, it was conversations between Filoni and John Favreau which led to the creation of The Child, or better known to many as Baby Yoda. Filoni is responsible for the visual concept of the character, having drawn ideas on napkins during those conversations. Interestingly, there's still very little official merchandise for the child. Disney wanted to keep the, the, the character a secret until The Mandalorian premiered, and so official merchandise won't be available probably until spring. And they're very cautious about calling it the child, and not Baby Yoda, who of course he isn't. To those of you listening in from Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, we thank you very much, as do you, wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you as well. So our regular listeners know that I'm a fan of the New York Giants. Of course, I like the Buffalo Bills. I'll be rooting for them this weekend since my Giants are done for the season and really have been for most of the season, haven't they? And from most indications, it would seem that Eli Manning is at minimum done with the Giants and perhaps at maximum done with the NFL. The Giants fan in me wants Eli to retire. Nobody really likes seeing team legends suiting up for somebody else. I mean, Joe Namath as an L.A. Ram, Brett Favre as a New York Jet. But the reality is, if I were in his shoes, I would play until I was embarrassingly and unceremoniously cut from the team and dragged from the field. I mean, the career of an athlete, it's its just not very long, is it? Can't blame a guy for enjoying all he can for as long as he can, no matter the team. After the final game of the season, his last under contract with the Giants, he was asked if he'd consider returning to the Giants as a backup. Now, sometimes I'm convinced that being a sports reporter has to be the easiest job in the world to get. I know it's not, but based on some of the questions these guys ask, I sometimes think there's just no qualifications to get the job. Asking a future Hall of Famer if he would consider being a backup just to stay with the only team he's played for in the NFL is ridiculous. Yes, I said he's a future Hall of Famer. He has two Super Bowl MVPs with the Giants, teams who would not have won those games without him. He's a future Hall of Famer. It's the Giants of late who've damaged Eli's image over the last few seasons, not not the other way around. For the first part of his career, Eli Manning was 84-60 and 60 as a starter. But the last six years, he's 32-51. and 51. And I get that wins aren't a real good judge of a quarterback but they can tell you something about the team around that quarterback. What success the team has enjoyed over the span of Manning's career is mostly attributed to Manning himself. So yes, I believe that one day he will be enshrined in Canton. But getting back to the stupid question, Manning, as calm and collected as ever, answered it simply and honestly. I doubt it. Backing up is not real fun. Now, I'm not making the argument that Manning should be the starter in New York. His skills have declined. He's not the Eli Manning of old by any stretch. But I believe he's better than his win-loss record indicated. I believe he's better than his turnover totals suggest. It's hard to play well when you're on the run most of the time or throwing while you're upside down. Eli has displayed grace. He's displayed integrity, even when the franchise dissolved around him. Now, there was success for Manning with Tom Coughlin, but since it's been this series of questionable coaching hires, GM hires, and GMs they've retained, as well as the questionable trades and draft choices. The Giants hit rock bottom, in my opinion, in 2017, when former head coach Ben McAdoo benched Manning in favor of Geno Smith, ending Manning's streak of 210 straight starts. 
for Geno Smith. How ownership stood by and let that happen is preposterous, stepping in only when it was too late. I'll continue to cheer for my Giants, but honestly, this year it's been more fun to cheer for the Bills. They have something going. The Giants have a great running back, a potentially good quarterback in Daniel Jones, but honestly, other than that, they've got more questions than answers. I think my point is proven out when a guy like Ron Rivera, arguably the strongest head coach available on the open market, chooses the Washington Redskins instead of waiting to see what happened with the Giants. And a reporter feels it necessary to ask Manning if just to be with the Giants is worth taking a backup role for. You have to wonder if people are going to want to come to New York at all. The Giants need to move on from Manning. I get it. Whether it be for Jones or somebody else. Now, could Manning get a chance to start somewhere else? I suppose it's possible, but I just don't see where that opportunity would be coming from. In my opinion, Manning's choices probably come down to a backup role with the Giants or a backup role somewhere else. So I think he probably calls it a career. Manning should not be the starter. But he should not have been benched for Geno Smith. Manning isn't going to be the starter because he won two Super Bowls with the team. He isn't going to get the starter job because he set all-time marks in a number of categories with the team. The good things he has done in the past are not enough to secure his future as the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. Four Pro Bowls, an 8-4 postseason record, none of it matters when evaluating the future for the New York Giants. I'm going to make the assumption that you've done many worthy things in your lifetime. I'm sure you've done many good and decent things. You've been kind. You've helped other people. You've contributed positively to your community. Unfortunately, none of it matters when evaluating a future for your eternal soul. That's because we're all sinners. While it may seem like we've done many good things, when compared to the righteousness of God, our goodness can't compare at all. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Romans 3.10 puts it this way, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. None of us are righteous, and we all need God to forgive our sins if we're going to make it to heaven and be with him after our time in this life is done. We need to acknowledge our sin. We need to ask him to forgive us, and we need to repent. The Bible says that if we confess our sins and ask him to forgive us, God will forgive us. John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God loves you. I want you to know that. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He laid down a sinless life, which was a perfect life. It was a holy life. And he laid it down in order to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. And when you ask God to forgive you, and you're willing to repent from your sins, by that I mean turning away from it, he extends his amazing grace and accepts Jesus' righteousness instead of your sinfulness. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved if you want to be forgiven of your sins. If you want to spend eternity in heaven, then admit to God that you are a sinner and ask him to forgive you. Pray to God and admit your sin. Admit your guilt. 
and tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you, that he was buried and rose again, and ask God to forgive you and to help you in turning away from sin. If there is some way that we can help, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. When we come back, we're going to close out the show with our You Like That segment. I'm Rick Benson. Thanks so much for being with us. This is the Beyond the Game program. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer, because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson. Glad to have you along. Titus chapter 2, verse 7 says, In all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. Buffalo Bills linebacker Lorenzo Alexander showed himself to be an example of good deeds, and in return, he received a special surprise during Sunday's final regular season game. The Bills had arranged for his 11-year-old daughter, Zoe, to sing the national anthem prior to the game, while Alexander was standing there with his family. It's one of the proudest moments as a father I've had, Alexander said. It was real emotional, and I didn't know she was singing it. It was a real cool experience, and I thought she did a great job. A 2019 Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, Alexander's planning to retire at the end of this season. Bills head coach Sean McDermott also gave a special moment to Alexander. With the Bills' playoff position locked in, as the team's second-string players started to enter the game, McDermott used a timeout early in the first quarter to bring attention to the fact that he was pulling Alexander for a substitute so that fans and teammates could honor him with an ovation. The first-class send-off that the Buffalo Bills gave Lorenzo Alexander in his final home game is what I like this week. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for being with us. I want you to know this radio program is mainly listener-supported. Our thanks to you who have given. I want to remind all our listeners that we depend on your support, both prayerful and financial, to keep this radio ministry on the air. You can pray for us. We'd appreciate that. You can give financially. We'd appreciate that. And if you do feel led to give a financial gift of any amount, visit our website, btgprogram.com. For the vacationing Zach and Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Be bold and be great.